Hey guys, welcome back to It's a Theater Thing. It's a Theater Thing is a podcast made for and by theater fans, and I'm Tracy Danoff. As usual, I am joined by my fellow theater fan, Aaron Carl. Hey, Aaron. Well, hello there. Hey, so lots been going on in the theater world lately. There was some news that just came out. It has to do actually with a film, and I don't know how I feel about this. So a story came out that the new Robert De Niro film slash Martin Scorsese film, (laughs) The Irishman, is going to be taking over the Belasco Theater starting November 1st, and they're going to do a month of screenings. And this is a Netflix film, but they want it to be an awards contender for the Academy Awards, of course. And I just have mixed feelings about, well, you know what? I can't even say mixed feelings. There's really nothing about this I like, (laughs) except I do like Robert De Niro, but I hate that they're taking over a Broadway theater for this. I think this sets a really bad precedent. What do you think? I'm I'm, kind of torn. I just heard about this when you were talking about it earlier. Um, And... Yeah, I I agree. It is kind of I see I see both sides of it. You know, them wanting to be acknowledged for a higher level of awards, even though Netflix films can, especially if they're originals, can be nominated for certain things. Yeah, they can but, be. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, they're taking over a very valuable theater space. But then again, a lot of old theaters, I, you know, in St. Louis, we have the Fabulous Fox Theater, which was a movie palace before it turned into a performing arts center. Mm-hmm. So I can, I can see both the space working for both. But yeah, I can also see it like, yeah, what, maybe, maybe just leave it open for the shows that need to come in. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like the more Broadway theaters are used for film, the easier it's going to be for the owners of the Broadway theaters to say, ah, you know what, maybe we don't need live entertainment in this theater anymore. Maybe we'll make it into a movie theater. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting because I saw someone on Twitter, actually, they were responding to uh, Peter Marks, the theater critic from the Washington Post, who agrees with me, by the way. Um, (laughs) And he, his, this man's response was, Something to the effect of, huh, well, imagine when you close up great movie theaters, then you have a lack of great movie theaters. (laughs) And so now, because they have a lack of great movie theaters in New York, they're using the Belasco. Although I feel like that's really not the main reason. I think this is a publicity stunt. You know, it's it's they're trying to make this into a big event. And I guess mm-hmm. it's great, but I mean, I just would rather they didn't use a Broadway theater for that. And sorry, guys, that's my theater dog, Sandy. I know you're used to hearing her. She's she's extra vocal today, so you may hear her a lot during this podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm a big no on this one. I I I'm a mix. I'm still a mix on this. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely see where the no's come from, but, um, and it, I, I do agree that it could set a really bad precedent because we've also had 
kind of residencies and um, not necessarily theatrical productions put on in these theaters. We had Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Right. Uh, Kristen Chenowitz is coming back. And um, I know she did Love Letters to the Palace, I think, a little while ago, a few years ago. It, it's, it, I don't know if this yeah. is kind of where, especially in New York, with the way, res- you know, real estate prices are yeah. and production values, you know, how high they are. Maybe this is where theaters need to go in order to kind of fill those months in between the the actual theatrical events. Well, in that case, actually, I'd rather see a short-term residency, to be honest. I did see the Bruce Springsteen show, and mm-hmm. I felt like that was theater. I mean, the way he, and I had never seen him live before, so... Bruce Springsteen Mm -hmm. fans, please correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe his shows are always like this, but it was more about the storytelling. I mean, of course, it was about the music, but it had a theatrical feel to it, and it felt right in that theater. And I'm not opposed to, you know, a bigger name. I know Morrissey was doing a residency for a little while. I'm not Mm -hmm. opposed to that because it's live theater, and I just don't want to see or I'm sorry not live theater but live entertainment I don't want to see live entertainment in any form die off and I think and maybe because I'm an old lady (laughs) I, I think you know I get frustrated because I think with the advent of the streaming services and you know YouTube and things like that it's easier to stay in your house and watch something. And I'm guilty of it too, where I, you know, I feel like, Oh gosh, you know, do I want to schlep all the way down to DC to see something live or I can stay in my house and watch something on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to fall into that. But I feel like if you take it away, then people aren't going to be motivated to go. So I just hope that this doesn't turn into a trend. I I agree with you. I would prefer live artists like the residencies and everything. And maybe either this could be in our next episode or we could just open it up in the comments when this gets posted. Um, What artist would you like to see on Broadway? Mm -hmm. Opening. Yeah. And I mean, anybody. Um, Mm -hmm. Pop, rock, hip hop jazz, anything. Who would you like to see fill a Broadway house for a couple of months? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty excited that Harry Connick is going to be doing a residency. I think Mm -hmm. he's a great choice. And, you know, I don't know how it would translate, but I would love to see Lizzo do something on Broadway. (laughs) I think it would translate beautifully. I think she has so much visuals, and, and I think she could easily fill the whole stage with just with her dancers, with her attitude, with her, yeah, Yeah. her presence would be, yeah. Yeah. Lizzo would be good. Agreed. Yeah. 100% that beep. (laughs) So for me personally, I say residencies, yes. Movies, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> I agree. I agree. You, you've convinced me. Ah, oh, good. <laughs> I, am, I am no longer middle ground here. I will go full on no movies. Does that make me an influencer now? <laughs> Yay! Yay! Am I, you am get, I part of the cool group now? <laughs> you, get, you get a blue tech mark on your Instagram. Yay! Oh, awesome. And that would be awesome if I actually posted anything on Instagram. <laughs> I was scrolling through my feed, like my own personal pictures that I posted, and literally 90% of them are Playbill pictures from shows that I've been to, and the other 10% are my cat. <laughs> so, yay, 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 I want to be an influencer too. You here. Come are, on. you are. <laughs> well, yay. speaking of being an influencer... I recently came across someone who was a theater virgin and they had never, ever seen a show at all. And they got the opportunity to see Cats here in D.C. at the Kennedy Center. I will be honest, I am straight out not a Cats fan, but... I was thrilled that he was embracing theater because he was kind of like, this is so cool. I want to see more shows. Well, this person is not exactly a Rodgers and Hammerstein type of guy. Um, So I decided to make him a top 10 list of shows that I thought he would enjoy. And I started thinking about it. Well, what would your top 10 list of shows be for a theater novice? So... I made a list, and Aaron made a list. And Aaron, I'm going to let you go first. What is your top ten list for the theater novice? All right. I kind of split mine into a few categories because I'm a little OCD. And so when I started writing them down, I'm like, oh, but this one. Oh, but this one. Okay. So, um, so I'm going to start out with um, if you like. So if you like one show, you'll probably like the other show. Um, if you like Hamilton, I would check out In the Heights. Um, mm-hmm. Same writer, same creative team, lots of the same actors. Um, so definitely check both of those out. Um, super powerhouse shows um, and very modern in the music is what I would how I would explain it to a novice. Okay. If you like Rent, check out Tick Tick Boom. Ah. Because um, Tick, Tick, Boom is just the autobiography of the author of Rent. Mm -hmm. And Rent was already semi-autobiographical. Although, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was based off the opera La Vie Boheme. La Boheme, Um, yes. La Boheme, not La Vie Boheme. He wrote a song (laughs) in the show about that. But um, (laughs) anyway, so yeah, so it it just really kind of delves more into that. The, the man, Jonathan Larson, and the life and the times of, you know, New York City in the late 80s, early 90s. So then I go into my intense, get ready to cry, get ready to feel all the feels, be shocked, if you want to be shocked. Um, Spring Awakening, American Idiot, and Dear Evan Hansen. Mm-hmm. If you want to laugh, because you got to have a palate cleanser. First Date and Legally Blonde were my picks. If maybe you don't want to go the musical route, maybe maybe you just want to see some acting and some storytelling. Almost Maine. 
is oh. a wonderful play. Oh my god, I saw a local production and I immediately went home. I ordered the script. I ordered like I was trying to find it on anything streaming. I was just like I need to see this again now. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful. The play that goes wrong, very very much um Three Stooges on stage trying to put on a play. Hilarious. Hilarious. And um The Curious Case of the Dog in the Nighttime. Yeah, that's a great one. I loved it. Um, Again, I saw a local production at the Repertory Theater of St. Louis a few years ago, and it was just stunning. And then, of course, you have your children's family-friendly, but yet, you know, still entertaining Disney. But uh, one's Disney, one's uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's, actually, Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast. Very good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's my list for theater novice. Uh, you know, I, I, th- I try to give a, a wide range of like, OK, some some crazy stuff that not everybody's heard of. And then just some classics that would give you a lot of good talking points and get you more into it once you got into the theater. Right. Well, those are those are some really good choices. And I'm all in on Tick, Tick, Boom. I think that's a great show. Yes. Um, it was really hard to narrow these down. And mm-hmm. I'm going to read the list with a few tweaks to it. But this is the list that I made for uh, the person that I referenced earlier. Um, as I said, he's not a Rodgers and Hammerstein type, really. I don't think like the classics would be or I guess shows from the golden age <laughs> would be an, mm-hmm. would appeal to him. So this is the list that I made, and I'm going to count it down from 10 to 1. So my number 10 choice is Phantom of the Opera. I mean, you really can't go wrong with Phantom. It's a classic now, and I think everyone should see it once. It's, you know, no matter what you think of Andrew Lloyd Webber, it really did change theater back when it came out. Oh, I agree. Yes. Number nine, Cabaret. I know this is an older one, but it's edgy. It's sadly even a little relevant today. Um, (laughs) It's dark. It's got, you know, some amazing music in it. And Mm -hmm. you really just, you know, you can't go wrong with that one. It's, It's a really good one. Number eight, I had a tie for number eight, because you can't do a top ten list without Sondheim, right? So, (laughs) my, yes, so my pick for number eight is a tie between Into the Woods and Gypsy. I mean, Gypsy is, for me, it's like the perfect show. It's got everything and a wonderful, wonderful score. And Into the Woods, I, I have to tell you, unless you count Gypsy, because I, as, a, as a small child, I used to watch the movie with my grandmother. But as an adult and actually seeing like a stage musical, Into the Woods was really my first Sondheim. And I think it's very palatable for people who aren't Sondheim fans. I know that there, you know, sometimes... Sondheim can be a little hard. I mean, it's it, he's brilliant. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. He's brilliant. Oh, yeah. But, but especially if you are appealing to the masses, I think a good starter show is Into the Woods. 
Yeah, because a lot of people know the stories. Yeah, yes. To yes. begin with, so it's familiar. Yes. Number seven is Once on this Island. I mean, look, Lisa, it, I mean, wonderful score, wonderful storytelling. You can't go mm-hmm. wrong with it. And if you get to see uh, the revival production, Live Goats. I mean, you can't go wrong with Live Goats. So. <laughs> um, so the tour is starting in Tennessee, and I'm contemplating doing a drive down there. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. I do not blame you. It doesn't get here till the summer, but that is one I'm looking forward to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Number six, Chicago. Again, that's. I feel like that's one of those shows everyone should see at least once. I mean, if you haven't seen it eight times like I have, you probably really <laughs> would really enjoy it. Um, and, and, you know, Fosse's choreography is amazing. So, you know, just just going for that is worth the price of the ticket. Now, this one's a personal favorite of mine. Number five, Come From Away. Uh, Yay! Yeah, just a gorgeous, gorgeous show. And it's really just about kindness, and that's what we need right now is a lot of kindness. Number four, Wicked. I mean, Wicked is slowly becoming a classic. And, you know, this is a show that even my husband likes, that my husband has actually seen more than once, which says a lot because he doesn't like to see shows more than once. (laughs) In Mm -hmm. fact, I think I can count on one hand the number of shows he's seen more than once. Wicked is one of them. Uh, It's, you know... Again, great Stephen Schwartz score, and I have rarely seen it performed badly. It's, you know, really, really a great show. Any show that can fill a Broadway theater for over 15 years. Yes. 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 It's hard to believe it's been 15 years. I'm feeling old. (laughs) I I agree. Number three, Town, because basically it's a masterpiece. I, I mean, that's all I can say. It's just amazingly beautiful, innovative um, performances are fabulous. I, I really can't say enough about this show. And I mean, Patrick Page is smoldering. You know, as I said before, he's he's just smoldering. Um, <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two is Rent. And Rent is one of my all-time favorite shows. Uh, it's actually the show that got me back into theater after I'd been away from it for many years. And uh, Jonathan Larson was just brilliant. Great story, as you said earlier. Uh, it's based on uh, La Boheme. And I think even though sometimes it feels, you know, the references are a little bit dated, it still feels really fresh. And number one is Hamilton. I just think that it's as good as people say. <laughs> I yeah. know some people might disagree with me. I think sometimes when something gets super successful, there's a bit of a backlash, which I, you know, I've been seeing lately. But I really do think it's a magnificent show. So yeah, the only the only complaint I have about it is, well, I don't like rap. Ah, and that's a problem. And admittedly, <laughs> yes, there's a lot of rap in it, but there's other styles of music in it also. Yes. Like, it's not just them up there rapping for 
almost three hours. If you want to talk Sondheim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wordsmith-wise, I think they did the math, and Lynn has a few more words per bar than Stephen Sondheim. Wow. Well. Like, but just barely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of rap either, but for mm-hmm. some reason, this show works for me. I really, I remember the first time I saw the show, and yes, I've seen it four times. Um, <laughs> and the first time I saw it, I thought, hmm, you know, like the first, you know, the first few notes came out and I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And then as the show went on, I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so I for Hamilton, I was hooked when the White House released a YouTube video of Lynn singing the Aaron Burr part of the opening song of Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. And I started immediately, I was sharing it on Twitter, I was sharing it on Facebook, like, this is going to be huge. And nobody believed me. And then six years later, (laughs) everybody's paying $200, $300 a ticket to see it. And I'm like, I told you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes you know. Sometimes you know. And and that's what I'll say when six is a big hit. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. When does when does that open on Broadway? Because that's uh, coming. Previews start in February. So okay, I have. There's... Oh, go ahead. Did they just they just closed in Boston, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I have my tickets for March, and I can't wait. So looking forward Yay! to it. Yes. That's our top ten lists for novices, and we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Do you have any other suggestions? Do you have your own top ten list? Feel free to send it in. We may read it on the air. So a few weeks ago, we started a new segment called What Are You Listening To Right Now? And so we're going to talk about what we're listening to. Erin, what are you listening to right now? I am listening to two amazing little projects. Uh, One is Cruel Intentions, the musical. Um, it is actually trying to fight for a Grammy nomination. And so they're releasing some videos on Facebook, you know, some behind the scenes stuff that they haven't before. And it just got me, uh, nostalgic for the, the time that I almost didn't make it to see Cruel Intentions because of the plane. I had a, a flight issue, flight delay. Oh, wow. And so I'm, I'm literally rushing to the hotel. I drop my bags and I, turn around, run out the hotel door and get in a cab and barely get seated before the opening notes. So I, I, I got a little nostalgic. It's a really fun and interesting show. Uh, as a child of the 90s, um, the music really, really spoke to me. And um, I was sitting, it's uh, generally done kind of more at bars and cafes than an, in actual theater. So I was sitting at a table with a reviewer and I'm sitting there writing down all of the songs that they're using. And he actually asked me if he could take a picture of my list because he didn't know any of the song titles. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I started, you know, I started re-listening to that and everything. And um, another one, uh, another uh, CD that I'm listening to uh, is a solo project from a Backstreet Boy. Now, bear with me. 
<laughs> um, I recently went to the uh, DNA World Tour for the Backstreet Boys. Uh, it, it stopped in St. Louis, and I, being a fan, had to attend. And while I was there, um, Howie B, one of the singers, uh, was promoting his solo album, which just came out. And one of them, or the title of the project is Which One Am I? And um, it's really, really a sweet, uh, family-friendly uh, solo project and just talks about his life growing up. And the opening song, he kind of gets to poke fun at the rest of the Backstreet Boys. Uh, the opening song is this band coming up and like, oh, you're in a boy band. Which one? And he's like, oh, I'm in the Backstreet Boys. Oh, well, which Backstreet Boy are you? And so then he goes around and goes down the list and just keeps poking fun at all the other members of the band. Super cute, super fun, especially if you're a fan of the Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually am going to put that one on hold because I have a Beyond the Board that has something to do with Mr. Howie. Ah. So, um, Tracy, what are you listening to? Well, I am listening to Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Oh, yeah. I've been hearing about this show for a long time, and I finally decided to uh, download the cast recording. And I love it. So if you're not familiar with the show, Everybody's Talking About Jamie is actually playing right now in London in the West End. And it's based on a true story. The show itself was inspired by a documentary that was made around 2011. And the documentary was called Jamie, Drag Queen at 16. It tells the story of a real 16-year-old who wants to be a drag queen. And actually, the um, Jamie, the, the main character and the real person, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. decided that he wanted the world to know that he wanted to be a drag queen. He actually contacted a production company and said, you know, I have this story to tell. Would you want to make a documentary about me? And they said yes. (laughs) And so after the documentary came out, a theater director named Jonathan Butterell was inspired to make a musical based on Jamie's story. And I'm sorry to say I'm not familiar with this group, but there's a group called The Feeling. They may be a British band i don't know uh but the lead singer and songwriter from the feeling his name is gillespie sells uh wrote the music and also um they teamed up with um a writer named tom mcgray to create the production and it's done very well it's been playing for quite a while the score itself is just so great it's fun it's uplifting and some parts it's sad and it's one of those shows that I mean I think if it came to the US I think it would do pretty well as I was listening to the music I was thinking to myself this music reminds me of another show and I couldn't think what what it was and right before we went to record, it dawned on me <laughs> what the style of this music reminds me of sort of like if you could take kinky boots and spring awakening and they had a baby, 
<laughs> it would be everybody's talking about Jamie. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful baby that would be. Yes. <laughs> Bouncing baby Broadway. I love it. I mean, there may be some real music experts out there that say I'm totally wrong, but that's how I see it. So definitely... I know that if you just listen to the opening song and you don't even know it, it'll get you hooked and you will be listening to the whole recording. So I highly recommend it. And hopefully one of these days, if I get to London, I will be seeing that show. <laughs> I, I, I am definitely giving you a blue check mark as influencer because, um, yeah, I'm, I may be downloading that after we wrap up. Here. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I've, I've heard about it. I've heard little snippets of it, but your description, I'm I'm kind of hooked now. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> and and let me know if you agree with me. You may not, but but mm-hmm. you know, cuz I know you're a big Spring Awakening fan, but I don't know. I oh, you should like you should have seen my ears perk up. so Erin you had something more to tell us Uh, we're going to learn about that in Beyond the Boards and if you're not familiar with Beyond the Boards this is a segment that we present to you every episode where we talk about different things going on in the world of theater it may be on the stage, it may be off the stage it could be a cast recording or an autograph signing or a concert so Erin what do you have to share with us so unpause your howie d and backstreet boy obsession right now um because howie wrote a musical what (laughs) um i would like to personally think that i'm responsible for this because uh, hear me out hear me out when i uh a few years ago when they were touring with new kids on the block I was fortunate enough to get a sound check pass. So I and my friend went into the sound check and um, one of their producers was running around giving the audience members microphones to ask questions. And it got to Howie and he pointed at me and told me I could ask a question. So I asked Howie, I said, hey, I'm a big musical theater nerd. I have totally dreamcast each one of you into different shows what show would you put yourself in? And he, he replied, Frankie Valla from Jersey Boys, immediately. Not not even a breath. He was like, oh, I'm go- I, I want to be Frankie Valla in Jersey Boys. Oh, wow. So, and then he started talking about how he kind of has this idea in the back of his head to write his own musical. Interesting. So, flash forward five years later, and... Um, At the Rose Theater in Omaha, Nebraska, a musical called Back in the Day will be performed from January 31st to February 16th. Um, Check out Howie D's official website or the Rose Theater's official website for ticket information. Very cool. Um, Going on your theme of West End Love with uh, everybody's talking about Jamie. Uh, Carrie Hope Fletcher is uh, releasing her latest novel, um, In the Time We Lost. It's out on October 17th, but you can pre-order it. And then there's some things, um, obviously, you have to be in London to uh, take advantage of this, but um, some of the pre-orders have the ability to win meet-and-greets with her. 
Oh, that's cool. So just check out her social medias, have links to pre-order it. I'm sure it's also going to be on Amazon.com soon if it's not already up. Next on my list is uh, for those going to Broadway Con, I actually had to extend my stay a day early, and I'm going to arrive on January 20th so I can check out Sir Alex Boniello at Joe's Pub. Um, he's doing a little cabaret at 9.30. You can check out tickets at publictheater.org. And my last be on the board is a biggie. Mr. Josh Groban is uh, going to be at Radio City Music Hall for a residency. They've so far only announced two dates, but they said more information is coming you know, I'm sure as schedules um, line up and everything. So the first day will be Valentine's Day, February 14th. And the second day announced is Saturday, April 18th. JoshGroban.com for more information. Uh, join his newsletter and I'm sure you'll be on the uh, pre-sale uh, list. Very cool. So I have a few things to share too. Broadway alums and married couple Matt Cavanaugh and Jenny Powers have announced plans to launch their own theater company. It's going to be in Northeast Arkansas, and it's their actually the first professional theater company in that area. And it's they're planning to launch it next year. It's called the Link Theater Company. It will be located in Cavanaugh's hometown of Jonesboro, Arkansas. If you're not familiar with Matt Cavanaugh, he was known for West Side Story. And Jenny Powers was in the last revival of Greece. The theater's inaugural production will be The Fantastics. It will run from March 6th through the 8th, 2020, and it will be at the Glass Factory in downtown Jonesboro. Kavanaugh will be making his directorial debut on this production. So this is a really cool initiative because it's going to be providing both professional opportunities and educational opportunities to people who are involved. So I wish them lots of broken legs for the future. So I know they'll do great. So this is an exciting piece of news. Jen Kalella and Caitlin Kanunen are going to start in a fun home reading at a site-specific production that will be staged for one night only. And it's going to be on Thursday, December 19th at the Plaza Jewish Community Chapel on the Upper West Side. Oh, gosh, I wish I could go to this. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yes. Like, super talented cast. And then, like, I love theater experiences that are like that. You know, yes. the, the site specifics, the the involved theater. Yeah. Immersive. So, Jen Colella will be playing Allison, and Caitlin Kanunen will be medium Allison. They haven't announced the rest of the casting yet, but they said it will be announced at a later date. General admission tickets are priced at $100, and they go on sale on November 11th. So, pretty cool. Pretty exciting. Yay. Yeah, super exciting. Yeah. So, if you get a chance, check this one out. Next, I have lots of divas coming to 54 Below in October. So, first of all, we have the great, the legendary Cheetah Rivera. She's going to be playing 54 Below from October 10th to October 16th. Then we have Rachel Bay Jones, who will be coming here in to D.C. to do uh, Next to Normal 
sometime next year, which is really exciting. Uh, Rachel Bay Jones is going to be at 54 Below from October 28th to the 29th. And then one of my favorites, even though I haven't seen her on stage live yet, <laughs> I've only seen her on YouTube, Bonnie Milligan, along with Natalie Walker, they are going to be doing a show at 54 Below on October 30th and the 31st. So if you're interested in any of these shows, you can look for tickets at 54below.com. Finally, some of you may know, if you've been listening to the show, that I will be going to Madrid. I'm actually leaving in a few days. And part of the reason I'm going to Madrid is to see Anastasia in Madrid. Well, imagine my surprise when I found out that Tadra Hall is also going to Madrid. <laughs> in fact, he's doing a big tour. Imagine my disappointment when I found out that Tadra Hall will be performing two days before I get there. <laughs> so, foiled. Foiled. Uh, so sadly, I will not get to see him in Spain, but there will be lots of opportunities to see him. He is going everywhere. Along with going to Spain, he's going to be in Amsterdam and he's going to be in the UK. And then he's moving on to Las Vegas. Eventually, he will make it to California and the DC area. So I'm hoping to maybe catch him when he's in DC. But he's got a lot of tour dates out there. And if you're interested in checking him out, just check out his website at todrickhall.com. So that's it for our Beyond the Boards picks. It's been great visiting with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. You can always find It's a Theater Thing on the Onstage Blog Network on onstageblog.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Spotify. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can email us at theaterthing at gmail.com. You can also find us on the It's a Theater Thing Facebook page, and our Twitter handle is at theaterthing. So till next time, actually, next time I will be back from Madrid, so I'll be sure to update you guys. So until next time, adios. <laughs> Bye.